impressed. This is probably very um, irreverent, but I don't know if y'all have been to anthropology lately, but I went um, over Christmas with my daughter and we have an only child. So we've called her our favorite because we can. And there is a sweatshirt there and it says favorite daughter. And so I was gonna jokingly come out and say, you all need to go get that sweatshirt because you came today because we are all the favorite daughter today of the king. But that probably is like very not biblical to say that. So, <laughs> but it's out there and now it's probably recorded. So, and with that being said, um, I'm really happy to be here with you all this morning. Um, I do think it's funny that we're gonna be talking, not a lot, but a little bit about Noah um, with the rain and, and, and the storm and then the song this morning talking about the storm. So sometimes I think those are those little guys God winks that he just reminds us that he is in control and he is sovereign and he is so attentive to all the details. And so I wanted to open this morning with an illustration just to kind of uh, share with you some things that I know are on my own heart. And as I was reading and studying um, 1 Peter 3, there were some things that really just jumped out at me um, that I wanted to share with you this morning. And as I started going through, first let me back up. I can't remember when it was, but Lauren and Randy sent an email to a handful of our staff and just asked if we would be willing to share that we're gonna do a bit of a different format this this semester for Bible study, and would we all sign up for a specific portion um, to teach this semester? And so, of course, I'm like, I'm signing up first because I want the most choices. Because you never want to get stuck with the the one that nobody wanted. Ask Lauren, that's happened to her. and so I started looking through it and I'm, my favorite is First Peter 4, you know, because it's got all the great stuff in there about shepherding and I, I actually have a teaching that I've done on that. But as I started looking, I just kept coming back to chapter three. No, I didn't keep coming back. I felt like the Lord kept making me go back to three. And I saw on the list there were a lot of men that, you know, were gonna be teaching. And I just felt like if, if we have women that might struggle with the idea of submission, it might be a little difficult to hear that message from a man. <laughs> so you're welcome. I totally took one for the team on this, um, getting to talk about the S word for, for those, some that, that may not like that as much. But that led me to, to my opening point, which, you know, we don't really get to pick and choose what we want to learn or apply from scripture. And so we're either all in or all out. You know, God, there's a lot of places in scripture where it talks about not being lukewarm, that we need, we need to be fully committed, um, you know, in, in the way that we pursue God's word and, and, and living a life that is striving to be Christ-like. And so it reminded me of um, several years ago, um, gosh, my husband and I are gonna be celebrating our 30th wedding anniversary this year. I'm 35, by the way. <laughs> um, and about 29 years ago, um, I was aware that there is a red velvet cake recipe in my husband's family. It was his grandmother's that is everyone's favorite. And so after we got married, my mother-in-law wrote it out on a card for me. It wasn't even like a recipe card. It was just like on the back of a greeting card type thing. And she wrote it out in her handwriting, which I love, by the way. Those of you that don't like your handwriting, please do your hand, even if it's messy and hard to read. Like I love like my grandmother's handwriting. I just think that's so precious. So anyway, she gave it to me this, I'm like, oh my gosh, I got the red velvet cake recipe. Um, And so I'm so excited. And so I try it. And that cake did not look and taste nothing like, did I just hit something? Okay, um, like my mother-in-law's red velvet cake. And so I was very discouraged and I, you know, I'm, I'm looking, I go back and I look at the recipe and I'm like, what did I do wrong? The icing is literally like sliding off the cake. And I don't know if you've ever had or made a red velvet cake. This is the kind with Crisco, okay? Not the cream cheese, don't, that, that is inferior in my husband's family. You don't do it that way. So this is Crisco. So anyway, I try it, it doesn't really work. Like the inside was okay, but it just, the icing, it was just a disaster. I'm not gonna go through the whole story. I tried it five times over a period of probably four or five years and I never could get it to turn out right. And so I met, we're at a family gathering. The red velvet cake is always front and center. And so someone else at my sister-in-law had made it and we start talking about, it. I was like, Tracy, I just cannot get this recipe to work. Um, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so I start talking about, she goes, well, what's happening? I said, my icing just always slips off. And she, so she showed me her recipe and we're kind of talking about and everything and, I was like, what are you cooking in yours? Because she was referencing it. it, There was a part in there that says chill to cold. Is it up? Yeah. Okay, see where it says smooth and chill to cold? 
okay, do you see where my handwriting now says cook over medium heat? That was not there um, when I inherited this recipe. And so all this time I had been making this recipe and not knowing that you had to cook this particular portion of the ingredients to thicken it. And then you have to put it in the refrigerator to let it cool. It completely changes the recipe. (laughs) So anyway, after talking to her, you know, then the joke became, did she do that on purpose? You know, was, was she like, she wants to be the queen of the red velvet cake, my mother-in-law, and you know, she just, you know, didn't want me to be as good. We have a great relationship. We joke about it, that she had no, no malicious intent. Um, but it, it reminded me of that. And so I kept that, you know, I kept this, I use it all the time and I make it at least once or twice a year. And you can see on there where my handwriting is, cook over medium heat, that's important. She also didn't tell me how long to cook things um, or like how to do the pans. You'll see some additional notes on there as well, um, just as I trial and error try to make this cake. And so I share that just to say all the words matter. You know, whether we're making something and we're using a recipe or we're following instructions in God's word, all the words matter. And we can't pick and choose what it is that we leave out. Um, when I was looking at the lesson, I, um, I started, I kind of broke it out in days like you all did the study, um, which by the way, I love this format. I, I'm not sure how you all are, are responding to it, but I think it is such a fun and, and cool way to study God's word. Um, but as I was going through that, each one of the sections, I really feel you could summarize with one word. And so those are the words that I kind of pulled out. And as I looked at those, I thought, these are not like, oh, my word of the year is gonna be submissive. <laughs> like all five of the words were kind of like, Ugh. like that's not the word that you embroider on a tote bag. You know, like these, none of these are those words. And so, but they are in God's word. And so why? Why are they in there? What are we to learn about them? And, and how do we go forward knowing that these are things obviously that is, they are important to God and they are important in our journey to become Christ-like over our lifetime as believers. And so um, I, I really kept coming back to Ephesians 5.1 um, because as, as I'm looking at these things, I'm looking at these words and I'm thinking, you know, Jesus did every single one of these words, even though they may have a bad reputation or um, there may be, um, you know, something in our society or culture that has given it um, a bad rap or, a, um, a, you know, or denote some way that, um, that it, it, it has a negative connotation. But Jesus walked out and demonstrated every single one of these words starting as a young boy. And so that again tells us that there's something here to be learned. And so Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So how might we fulfill our purpose of becoming more Christ-like, thereby being imitators of God? Um, I'd like to pray over us before we jump into to God's true word and um, just get our, our hearts and our minds um, focused on him this morning. Heavenly Father, um, God, I just, I pray that you would open our ears, um, our eyes, our hearts as we seek uh, a deeper understanding of you and, and who you are um, and God, who it is that you call each one of us to be. I ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would reveal any areas in each one of our lives where we need to look less like the world and more like your son. We ask these things in your name, amen. Okay, so we're gonna start 1 Peter 3, verses one through seven with the S word. (laughs) Um, Just a show of hands, and if we do like heads down, hands up so you can't see, you don't want to judge your neighbor. But is there anyone that struggles with the word submissive? Just be honest. Okay. Okay, Chris, can we write these down? I'm just kidding. <laughs> We're going to pray for you extra. No, here, my hand, my hand is right there. Actually, here's a, here's a fun thing, not a fun thing. Um, if you were here on Sunday, Dustin was talking about, you know, we're in a marriage emphasis. And so one of the things that he challenged everyone that was there, whether you're married or not, um, you know, some different things to do when you get home and all that. Well, for married couples, he challenged husbands, when you go home today before midnight tonight, ask your, your wife to rank your marriage on a scale of one to 10. And if wives give him till midnight, he, he did say that. And so if he hasn't by the next day, then you can go and ask. And so I thought, okay, well, in all fairness, if we're going to talk about submissive, I should probably ask my husband, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how submissive am I? And so Monday night, um, I did. (laughs) 
and he was actually very diplomatic and, and it was, it was actually, we had a really great conversation and it, it, I'm not tooting my own horn at all, but he said, he said, overall, I would give you an eight. Um, he said, now, now let me, let me say this too. We're going to talk about submitting to a godly husband versus a non-believing husband or maybe an abusive husband. So, so let me preface and put it in that context, but the way that, that he explained it, he said, you know, it's kind of like an onion. There's, there's certain places that, you know, you peel it back and, and maybe it's a little bit easier for you to submit in that because I am strong-willed and, and he affirms that, um, you know, and I have opinions and I like to be independent and all those things. And so I, the reason I share that with you is, is I, I don't want to come before you didn't go, I got this submission thing all figured out, ask my husband. Um, again, he was, he, we, we came off of Sunday. So we're both like, you know, at the most spiritual peak of the week still. So um, anyway, that being said, um, I, I do want us to look, you know, what does God's word say about us and, and what he commands us to do in, in being submissive. And so looking at verse one, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. And so let's pull a couple of things out from there. Um, obviously the, the word that I used to summarize this section was submissive. And so the, the five words that we're gonna look like are, are active, it's be blank. And so the first one is be submissive. Again, if we're looking at this of, of being imitators of Christ, Jesus demonstrated being submissive in his own life. And the first example we will see of that is in Luke 2.51. And the passage talks about um, when Jesus was a young boy and they went um, to the temple for Passover and he got separated from his parents because he stayed behind and his parents went on. And the, the scripture says in Luke 2.51, then he, meaning Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. The word obedient in that passage is the same word in the Greek that is used in the form of be submissive in verse one, first Peter three. And the, the Greek word is hupotasso. And so what we see there is again, it, through all of these words, God in the flesh of Jesus is not asking or commanding us to do something that he did not do himself in his time on earth in his earthly fleshly flesh body. Um, the, the definition, if you look up um, the blue letter, are y'all doing that? I, one of the reasons I really like this format is I think it, it, it really encourages, encourages you to go deeper, cross-reference all the things. And so hopefully you're getting some exposure and access to blue letter. Um, but the definition in there of hupotasso, um, it's a voluntary attitude. I love that voluntary. It's not a controlled um, and it's not mandatory. It's a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. It's a continuing form of the verb, meaning that submitting to God, the government, a pastor or a husband is not a one-time act. It is a continual attitude, which becomes a pattern of behavior. So I just really love that. I thought, you know, if, if it's, it's like any habit that you do over a period of time, it becomes a reflex and it just becomes a natural pattern and rhythm of your heart. And so it, for some, it might take a little bit more practice. I do, again, I think a lot of it may depend on, you know, your own personal style and wiring and the way that you were raised and, you know, the context on which you live, but it also has a great deal to do with the husband in which you've been called to submit to. And so, you know, they're, they're definitely not exclusive there. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, you may not have had a chance yet to watch Kevin's teaching from last week since you all missed, but it's the same word from 1 Peter 2.18 um, when he's talking to slaves and submitting to their masters. Um, and again, if you are, whether it's blue letter or any concordance, it, I think it's helpful sometimes if you're struggling with a word or a passage to go and dig in scripture and see where else is this so that you can get a better understanding of the context of it and maybe how is it being used in another part of scripture? Because it looks a little different depending on where you may find it and, and who, the, who the author was, but it doesn't change the meaning. 
Um, I looked up um, um, on, a, on a website, Got Questions, um, just, <laughs> I love how you can type things in and then it kind of fills the question with what is the most um, commonly asked question. And so at first I did just First Peter 3 and then it was submission. But the one that kept, the, the number one question that was asked is, do I have to submit to my husband? <laughs> Which I just thought was hilarious. I'm like, okay. Number one question was, do I have to submit? Um, we go back here, it's voluntary, right? Um, just like our salvation and following Christ is voluntary. It is a choice. Um, but I love the way they worded this. And so I, I just want to read it to you. Um, submit is not a bad word. You can put submit on a tote bag. That's my personal addition. I'm not going to, but you can. Um, submission is not a reflection of inferiority or lesser worth. Christ constantly submitted himself to the will of the Father without giving up an iota of his worth. To counter the world's misinformation concerning a wife's submission to her husband, we should carefully note the following in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. So I would write that down, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. Again, if you wanna do some deeper study and um, look at this in, in a different context, um, this is talking about specifically in this context the wife submitting to her husband, not just any man, but to her husband. Um, it doesn't necessarily extend to a woman's place in society at large. A wife, is willingly, a wife is to willingly submit to her husband in personal obedience to the Lord Jesus. She submits to her husband because she loves Jesus. The example of a wife's submission is that to the church, is that of the church to Christ. So we have... Christ is the head of the church and the husband as the head of the wife in the household. There is nothing said of the wife's abilities, talents, or worth. The fact that she submits to her own husband does not imply that she is inferior or less worthy. Also notice there is no qualifier to the command to submit except where it says in everything. So the husband does not have to pass an aptitude test or an intelligence test really any test for that matter, um, before his wife submits. It may be a fact that she is better qualified than he is to lead, but she chooses to follow the Lord's instruction by submitting to her husband's leadership. And in so doing, a godly wife can even win her unbelieving husband to the Lord without words, simply by her holy behavior. So this reminds me of a, a friend that I met 20 years ago um, through another Bible study I was doing and she married her husband and at the time she was a believer and he was Jewish and for 20 years from the beginning of their relationship until 20 years went by, he was not a believer and she faithfully submitted to him and his leadership in their home. He, he was okay with her taking their boys to church with her. Um, she faithfully attended Bible studies. She was on our leadership team but she did her Bible study in her closet just so that not because he told her to, but just because she felt that that was an honoring way that she could still have her private time with the Lord and still honor and, and um, submit to her husband. Um, so fast forward 20 years of this praying and he became a believer. Um, and he'll, he will say it is in large part because she was so faithful and she was just such a, a beautiful model of what it looked like to be Christ-like. So I think that is such a great example of, of how this can actually play out. Um, let's, let's go down to verse seven. Uh, let me read that, that part because this is the, here we have the, the exhortation to the husbands. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Did that ruffle anybody's feathers right there? Weaker vessel. Um, Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, I, I will say, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm gonna speak this, this is for myself. When those kinds of things, whether they kind of mm, like strike a nerve, um, whether it's good or bad, I honestly 100% believe, I've just learned over my 35 years on earth, <laughs> um, in those moments, do not discount those things, ladies, that is the Holy Spirit. And so whether it's, it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck or you get warm goosebumps all over, that is the Holy Spirit. And it might either be in a form of conviction or teaching. And so, you know, if you're reading that and you're like, well, I don't like being called the weaker vessel. I think it was weaker vessel in one and um, weaker partner was in another translation. Um, 
so I think we have to kind of lean into that. And if, even if we feel that, that prompting, that's an invitation from him to go deeper. Take a step back, take a pause in your study. You may have to just literally put it aside and say, okay, what is it that's giving me unrest about this particular word or passage? Why can't I not accept this and just move forward? And so I think the thing that I love the most about um, and it may be about this whole section, the, the, the whole chapter, um, is when I dug a little bit deeper and I started looking at, at that section, yes, it says weaker vessel, but again, if we go all the way back into when this was written, what do we know? I mean, think about Ruth. What do we know about women in biblical times? They had no access to anything. They couldn't work outside the home. They didn't have their own form of income. If they were not married and they did not have children, they, they would become a beggar. They were basically, they had no way of providing for themselves. And so this is not meant to be um, an insult by any stretch. This is actually a provision. This is God coming in and saying, you're, you know, in this context, again, the, the woman cannot be provided for unless you come in and take care of her. And in so doing, that word, um, unit, or uh, oh, jumped ahead, um, the word there of understanding also refers to moral wisdom. And so he's telling husbands, exercise your moral wisdom in care and protection over your wife because she is not able to provide and, and stand out on her own. But the section that I, I really like are the words that I really like um, it, where it says heirs with you. And so I, I don't know about you, but I mean, I really love that. I, I mean, I've heard that before. And you know, you'll see in other places in scripture where it talks about we are co-heirs of Christ. Um, but to me, this just said on earth, we know that God is the God of order. You know, you look, look, just look at our church, for example. You know, there, I believe there is, there is an anointing. It says in scripture, the way that biblical leadership should be set up. And we are subject to that. And when we follow it and we're obedient to it, then there is order and, and it is honoring and glorifying to the Lord. And so when we look at the, the context of co-heir, being a co-heir, we know that maybe on earth um, in this submissive quality that as women that we are, we are asked to um, be obedient, eternally we have equity. And so, and not just with our husbands, but with Christ. And so of all the things as you're reading through scripture, you know, at the end of the day, if, if I had to say, okay, what is my favorite part? It's the fact that at the end of the day, God values me at the same level of inheritance as his own son. And so it, this may not make as much of an impact today to us and our our culture and the way that we do things. But again, go way back even to the prodigal son and you see how order of birth, um, you know, with, with all of the biblical sons that, that are in scripture, that was such a big deal if you were firstborn because you got a greater inheritance. And so inheritance back when this was written was huge. And so if, if, if you see this and it says, as a wife, you are an eternal co-heir with your husband. To me, that that properly frames the value and the equity that, that God places on us as women. Um, there is um, um, another section uh, of the got questions that I, I wanna read just real quick and then um, I'm gonna give you a little bit of a, a model and kind of a, a takeaway. For each one of these sections, I thought we would you know, kind of look at the passage, take out a few words and then talk about an application opportunity. Um, and so this was one more part that I thought was just really important. Um, when we're talking about submission, again, all, so far we've talking about, you know, not that it's easy to submit to a husband and none of our husbands are perfect. Amen? I thought, you, I thought you'd be all over that. I thought you'd be the first one to amen. Um, but neither are we, right? Um, and so what happens though if, if we are married to a non-believer or maybe we are in an abusive relationship? What does scripture say about that? Um, let me, I'm just gonna read this one portion of this. And if, if you want the full context of this article, I will... I don't know how I get that available to everybody, but I, I, will, I will provide that so you can go look at it. Um, but it says, it's picking up from before. She is under no obligation to disobey civil law or God's law in the name of submission to her husband. She submits in things that are right and lawful and God honoring. Of course, she does not submit to abuse. That is not right or lawful or God honoring. To try to use the principle of submission to justify abuse is to twist scripture and promote evil. And so I, I really, I like the way that that's clarified in that section. And just as an aside, if, if that is something that you're going through or struggling, it could be verbal abuse, it could be financial abuse, physical, any, I mean, you know, 
it runs the gamut. Or you may have a friend or a neighbor that you suspect is going through some type of abuse. We have so many resources and that really is, you know, one of the reasons that we're here is the church is to walk alongside and help and encourage and, um, and, and be that, that loving safe place for people to come. And so please, please don't let that be something that you're dealing with privately and silently. Um, go to your leader or, you know, one of our, our, our staff women would, would love to visit with you about that. Um, we know that in both of these situations, there are consequences for our behavior and our choices and they are eternal, um, but they are also um, temporal in the sense that the behavior that we have on earth plays out and has an impact on those within our circle of influence. And so what, one thing that I, I really wanna stress um, when we talk about submission, and I think it's important to note, if we are going about it with the right heart and we go into it with the right posture, and we, we apply this in the context of what do we know about God? What do we know about God to be true? We know he is loving. We know he is a provider. We know he is a shepherd. We know all these things. We also know that he desires freedom for us. And so I would challenge you that when you see the word submission, that you also just substitute that for freedom. Because I know for me, there've been some really hard decisions that our family has had to go through. And ultimately, I defer to my husband on those. And sometimes I'm like, not it. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to make that decision. Or I'm so glad I'm not gonna be the one standing, you know, at, for accountability in, in eternity for that. Um, I take great freedom in that. Um, and so I would encourage you to maybe look at things in, in a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I wanna share just a quick model with you um, from, for a practical application. This is something that I use a lot when I'm doing counseling or mentoring, um, especially in situations with um, uh, women when they're dealing with whether it's a spouse or a child or a family member, or it could be anybody and it can apply to anybody. Um, but it's the, um, uh, the, the concept of control, influence and leave alone. And so you can literally write this on your page. It's three circles and it's really easy. And it's also really easy to teach somebody else because it's three words. Um, but you'll notice that that very small circle in the middle is control followed by influence, followed by leave alone. And so what does that mean real quick? Um, the central one, that basically means that is everything and everyone that I control, which guess who is in there? Me, and me, myself, and I. If you want more people in there, you can put myself and I in there too. <laughs> um, but there, you'll also know there's a boundary around each one of those, and that's there for a reason. That's a divine purpose. And so what happens is that me in my control circle tries to enlarge my control circle to envelop all the circles and now I am trying to control everything and everyone. Where in reality, I don't really have a lot of control over much. Um, I, have, I have control, and I actually wrote it down because I, um, um, I wanna be real clear. Um, the only things in our control, my thoughts, my behaviors, my responses. My thoughts, my behaviors, my responses. You may say, oh, my thoughts aren't, yes, they are. Um, it may take discipline um, and it may be a hard season for you to get your thoughts under control or repetitive season, but they are. Um, and it may be sometimes that our struggle with submitting is because we're trying to control the people that we are being called to submit to. And so um, we, we could spend, we really could spend this whole morning, I think, talking about this section of scripture. Um, there's so much in chapter three. Um, but for the sake of time, um, I do want to move on. But if you have questions about this part, I, I would love to visit with you about it. I'm sure your, your small group leader could too. And I'm anxious to see what your um, conversations look like today um, as you unpack that part a little bit. Um, but let's go ahead and, and move on and look at verses 8 through 12. Um, for this one, um, I chose the word harmonious. And so when you look at um, verse 8, it talks about um, have unity of mind. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. And then there's a list there of, of things. Um, unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And so to me, that's, that's almost like a spiritual checklist. And again, we can't pick and choose which one of those words we wanna do. Um, we can't say, for example, okay, I'm gonna have a tender heart today, but, um, but I'm not gonna love anybody. Or um, I really don't wanna, I don't really feel very harmonious today, but I'll try to be humble. Um, they go together. And it's again, like the recipe. We need all of them if we're going to be imitators of God. Um, a couple other points about this section. Um, there are um, uh, some parts that I just, I really like that I think just demonstrates what an, what an intimate God and what an intimate relationship he desires to have with us. 
when you look at verse 12 and it says, for the eyes of the Lord and his ears are open and the face of the Lord, to me, that just gives such a personal visual of, of who our God is that we serve and who this God is that is asking us to do these things and expects these things of us. Um, it's not, you know, just this ambiguous aura or spirit that, um, um, that, is, that is, you know, out there and, and controlling things. And so I think that's important to remember as well, that we serve a practical relational God. Um, so what would our practical application be for this section for today? Um, I would challenge that, you know, if this again is maybe something that, that is a struggle for you, or if you just know that you have work to do in this area, which we all do, um, is just to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any, any part of your heart, um, your thoughts, your behaviors that are not imitating Christ's harmony. Um, ask for guidance on how you can be attentive to the Spirit's prompting when we're either being scheming or promoting discord. He is so faithful um, and he will respond to, to our pleas for his counsel. Um, and so again, be attentive to those moments when you know you might be in a conversation and you just feel a little, I, I call it un, unrest. If I'm at unrest about something, it's usually that's conviction. Um, and so we have, to, we have to pay attention to those things. God is trying to speak to us. Sometimes we just brush it off or put it aside. Um, the next section, um, we, we're gonna jump into uh, looking at verses 13 through 17. And for this one, um, the word I came with was be prepared. Um, and if you look down at verse 15, it talks about, but in your hearts, honor, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. And I love this passage. For me, when I was looking at which one to choose, I'm like, okay, I like that so much, it's worth doing the submissive part. <laughs> Um, I would say that, you know, there, there's just some things that I get really excited about. And one is just helping people build and identify and craft and create their testimony. And so about four years ago, we had a class here called My Story, His Glory. And we had um, several people that, that took it. And the, and the, the point of it and the part um, that what we were trying to teach these women was how do I look at my whole story, my whole life so far Looking at God's hand at work, there's five H's that we focus on, and, and I can get you that information if, if you're interested. But it basically, you go through and you start building your story, and then you take all of that, all of that information and all these events and hard times and high points and all these things, and you distill it down into what we call your testimony. And so I just feel like in this section, we are... Sometimes we, we look at our mission statement of, of um, loving God with all that we are and creating more and better followers of Christ. And we'll say, we are so good at the better part. It's, it's, sometimes it's easier to do the make, more, or more, make better followers of Christ. We're, that's what we're doing today, right? We're doing better followers of Christ by studying God's word. The making more can be really hard for us because it may be risky or it may involve me getting out of my comfort zone or I may not have, you know, taken the time or gone through the discipline of putting together my testimony. And so I don't know what I would say to someone if they asked me to give the reason for the hope that I have. Um, one of the best examples I have of this, I have a close friend that when her boys were little, she was at the grocery store and the cashier, um, she was checking out and the cashier made a comment about your boys are so sweet and they're so obedient, you know, that, you know, what a, what a, privilege or something to have in. And she said, I am really lucky. And she said, it was literally, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I was in a hurry or whatever. And as I was walking out to the car, she said, I felt so convicted in that moment that that's how I responded. Sorry, <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> um, she had had two miscarriages. She would go on to have two more kids. But she said, I had such an easy opportunity right there. All I had to say was God has blessed us. It could have been that easy. I really don't know why I'm crying so hard. <laughs> um, but I think it was in that moment, this was years ago, her kids are graduated from college now. But that made such an impact on me that it, it made me start thinking about, okay, every interaction I have, whether I'm at the store or at something, what I call transactional, like, am I prepared? Is my reflex to honor the Lord or do I say I'm lucky? Um, and so to me, that was hugely convicting. And so when we look at our practical applications um, today from this section, 
um, I have I have two two different ways that we can be prepared. Um, one would be what I would call a reflex. And I had the word transactional here, but I don't want it to sound impersonal. Um, but it is kind of that. It is kind of those relationships that, it's not like you have a relationship built with this person, kind of like the, the grocery store clerk. It may be a little bit, you know, um, maybe it's somebody in the lobby and you're just in passing. Um, but it is more of a reflex. Um, and so those are the times where we ha- might have a, a quick opportunity to tell of God's glory. And it's not long and it's not, you know, giving your whole story, um, but it is an opportunity to, to give an example or to give credit to, to the Lord for something that he's done in your life. And so those are things that you have to think about. And those are things that sometimes in those interactions, it, to me, it is a great reason and example of why we pray all day throughout the day in every conversation. And again, this is something that was taught to me by a mentor. I had never heard of that concept before, but she said, anytime that you're in a conversation and you're talking to somebody and and you feel like there's at any point, like there could potentially be like, they ask you a question or they want your advice or they make a comment. If, if you're already in communion with the Lord, like it's so much more likely that his words are going to come out than yours. And I loved that example for me and it, it has it has served me well. I know the times when I respond like Dawn, it's because I was like, I got this. <laughs> Hang on a second because I want to respond in my flesh. I'll go back and, you know, tell you I'm sorry later, but I got to do it my way this way. That never works. Um, the second way to be prepared is to go deeper. And so what you got when you came in, and if you didn't get one, let us know. Um, those are some handouts from that class. Um, there's a testimony worksheet in there. And so if you haven't ever done that, if you haven't ever formally put together your testimony, I will say it is a discipline. It is not something that you just sit down and whip up. It takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of prayer. Um, you know, and I would encourage our class to do a 30 second version, a three minute version and a five minute version. Um, and one of the thing, one of the assignments of the class was between now, you know, now and the end of class, you need to take an Uber ride somewhere and you need to share the gospel with your Uber driver. And so, of course, you know, I had like all, they all dropped the next, no, just kidding, they didn't really. <laughs> That's why they were there. They were trying, well, it is a complete stranger that you probably will never see again. And so for me, like that's really low risk, but you've got a real captive audience for a specific, and I'm like, and you can't just like go to Kroger across the street. Like you gotta go downtown. You gotta be in the car with them for like 15, 20 minutes minimum. Um, but it was great practice. And they all came back and said, that was like the hardest thing I thought that was gonna be the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And it was the coolest thing I've ever done in my life. And so, because they were prepared, they had gone through the discipline, they had prepared their testimony, they knew what they were gonna say. And they went into it with scripture in mind. They knew their story. They knew what God had done for them. And so it's easy to share that when you're telling about God's goodness in your own life. It doesn't feel rehearsed or planned. Okay, let's look at uh, verses 18 through 22. We wrap up this last section. Okay, let me preface by saying this. Sometimes um, we read things in scripture and it doesn't really make sense to us. Um, It might stretch us mentally, spiritually, intellectually. Um, Really, again, in those times, you know, if if you have the time right then, dig deeper, you know, get out all your resources. It's okay to do your commentaries. If you're really struggling with something or a word, like make use of what you have available. Biblical resources, let's preface that. Um, and, and get answers. It may be, you may call somebody that you trust, a mentor, a pastor, your small group leader. Um, you know, you've got a lot of resources at your disposal. Um, and then if, if you're still struggling and, you know, you're just like, I'm just stuck here. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure how to proceed. Um, I've got the slide up of, um, uh, there's some filters that, that you can apply in a situation like this. Um, did I give you the words for this? Oh, the words for this one are um, um, being patient and being obedient. Skip that part. Um, and so when I am going through something and it's maybe it's confusing or I'm having a hard time making sense of it, I can ask myself these questions. Um, is this a salvation or eternity question or issue? Is my lack of understanding or not knowing the answer presenting a stumbling block for me in any way? And can I move forward and confidently believe that God's whole word is true, even if I don't know the answer or, and understand it all right now. And so let that be kind of something that um, Jen Wilkin in one of her books of um, Women in the Word, um, she, she talks about dwelling in the I don't know. You know Chris has shared that a lot and I have too. And, and that's an okay place to be. Um, 
I wrote, accept and embrace the mystery of God. It makes him all the more worthy of our worship and wonder. We're not gonna understand everything, nor should we, nor do I want to. You know, if our God is completely containable and understandable, um, that doesn't feel like a very big God. And so I preface all that to say, like what in the world about verses 19 and 20? <laughs> I don't know if y'all struggled with that, but I read like every translation I could get my hands on and I looked at commentaries and the whole thing. I liked 18, like 18 was fine. Um, 18 is for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Totally get that, totally on board with that. <laughs> Two thumbs up. And then you go to 19, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Okay, we're not even gonna like spend a whole lot of time on here other than to say, <laughs> we're giving you full permission to go read your cheater notes if you have a study Bible. There are so many different positions theologically on what happened during the time between Christ's death and his resurrection. And this is my personal opinion and stance on this. Nobody knows besides God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And we won't know until eternity. And so there can be speculation and we can go and look at different places in scripture and try to make our best guess. But honestly, I just, nobody knows for sure what was taking place. And so as I was really trying to unpack that and understand it, like how do I, you know what I decided, this is falling under that filter of, I'm, I'm just gonna have to wrestle with this and be stuck and it's okay. It's not gonna affect, it doesn't affect me being able to accept that God's whole word is true. I can move on and be okay with that. Um, and so I, I think sometimes that's, a, that's an okay place to be. What I did take out of this, which I feel is really important, I got two words out of it. Because it was hard, I thought this one's worth two words. Um, one is I really love, we, we see right there a characteristic of God, his patience. Um, the other is talking about baptism. And so in that, I talked about being obedient. And so how does that all translate you know, with a, a practical application? And, and you know, where do we go from here with all of that? Matthew 28, 19 says, Jesus commanded, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so again, here we have a commandment and we have an example in Jesus that he was also baptized. So we see here, you know, so, so many parts and such a, a rich part of, of scripture in this in, in this context and, and just in these few words about how God demonstrated what it looks like to be obedient through baptism. I do wanna make a couple of just quick um, points and distinctions about the, the specific baptism part. Um, just again, in case that's something that you struggle with, because I know denominationally, you know, there are different positions on what baptism means um, and and what it what it gets you. And so, you know, our belief here at Rock Point is it is believer's baptism and it is an act of obedience that you follow through on after you have committed your life to Christ. So it is post-salvation. Um, I had a, a woman one time that I was meeting with with Pastor Ron and she was really struggling with this. And she's like, I'm afraid she had accepted Christ, but she hadn't been baptized and she was really struggling with that. She's, I'm just afraid. She wanted her family to all be there and she was having a hard time getting it coordinated. She's like, I'm afraid I'm gonna die before I get baptized and then I'm not gonna go to heaven. I was like, time out, sister. <laughs> but it was such a valid concern. And so, you know, again, we go back to scripture and we see, you know, on the cross when Jesus talked to the, the his, you know, to the, to the man at his right and he told him, he, the, the man repented and he said, I wanna follow you. I wanna, I wanna be with you in eternity. And Jesus said, you will, you, I will see you in paradise. Nowhere in there does it say they all got down and ran to the river and baptized him. It does not say that. And so again, I think we have to be careful in scripture of, of the way that we translate things sometimes and be careful with denomination, what it says. And so the, um, the part, let me find my notes about that because I wanna make sure that I read it with the baptism part. Course now I can't find it. Um, oh, this, I, I loved this and I found this in a, in a commentary, but um, it says, baptism demonstrates our identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And if our, again, our purpose is to become more Christ-like, this is an obedient step that we can take um, in, in following him. Um, 
baptism is one of those things that I think makes us more Christ-like and following him in obedience to that. Um, I wanna close with two things. Um, one was just a really sweet moment um, last night as I was pulling some things together and I, I thought, you know what, I wanna, I wanna see if I can find that testimony worksheet. And so of course I'm trying to, I'm searching on my computer, trying to find it. I'm going through all these files and folders um, and I came across it and I opened it, it was in the folder with everything from that class. And again, this is four years ago. And so I open it up and I'm scrolling through all of these files and the, the very top thing, because it's alphabetical, it says Adriana's testimony. Okay, this is a legitimate time to cry. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, Adriana Araya um, has been a faithful member of Rock Point for several years. She served here with Bible study. A lot of you probably know her. She greeted, she served on our welcome team. She's just a very faithful servant. Um, she passed away at the end of January. Um, and we just had her celebration of life on Monday morning here. And so when I opened that, she was in my class. That was really the first time that I got to experience the full spirit of Adriana. It was, can you can imagine, it was a wild class. She has a lot of energy and a lot of words, and it was so much fun. Um, but I, I opened it, and I printed it out, and I just read it. And I just thought, yeah, I have... basically a chronicle you know what her her life consisted of and it's less than a page and a half but it's eternal and this was her three minute version of her testimony but let's be honest I don't think she ever did anything in three minutes <laughs> even when she because like the, the point was to get up and do it and like read it so that you just get in the habit of doing it under three minutes and I'd have to be like time start over <laughs> So all these memories were like flooding back last night as I was going through this, which again, I just felt like was, was such a gift. I, f I forgot that I'd even had it. Um, but I wanna read her last paragraph. And, and I, I, I'm confident she would not mind you seeing this. And so if you want a copy of it, let me know. I would be happy. I, I have some in the office. Um, but the last paragraph says, Brandon, she's talking about Brandon Graham, asks, asks us on our interview and she's talking about her and her husband, Javier, which I just have to, this is so funny. Um, she talks, they went to a Catholic church for a while and she, they, when they started coming to Rock Point, she said, it says something like, Javier liked Rock Point even though he would curse at the cones on the Sundays that we passed Rock Point. Anyway, it was just kind of a funny aside. Um, <laughs> um, so Brandon asks us on our interview at Rock Point if we were baptized. Yes, we said. However, he talked to us about a different, a different baptism. After an invitation from Susan Murphy and the studies of John, we felt compelled to be baptized as John did Jesus. Our faith continues to grow and I am still learning and thanking him for all his mercy. So this was a gift to me and to you. I felt really literally at the, the, the ninth hour last night of you know, just trying to get a resource for you. And I love that it tied together two of the things we're talking about with our testimony and being obedient, being prepared and being obedient. And so this, this is not, I always tell people like, we don't get commission if you get baptized. <laughs> we, we have no ulterior motive for you getting baptized. We're not like a, you know, we're not a big count church. We don't, people say, how many people do you have? We, we don't know. How many people come to, how many, we, we don't know that. We're not, we're not a numbers counting church. That's not why we're here. But I will say, if this is something that you have thought about or prayed about or are struggling with, it maybe this is the, the, the day that you really kind of start thinking about and, and identifying, you know, is this an act of obedience that God is calling me to, to get baptized? Um, in the bigger picture, maybe it's not baptism. But if we look at, um, you know, examples, um, you know, other examples that we've talked about this morning and, and practical application, um, is there an area that God is calling you to be obedient that you are not and, and you are being willfully disobedient? Um, you know, that's not fun to talk about. Again, that, that doesn't go on a tote bag, but it's, but it's worthy of discussion. And so, you know, there may be some, um, some time over the next week that you sit back down through your notes and just, just sit and rest in God's presence and just ask, you know, through his Holy Spirit, you know, convict me of the things that, do I need to dig deeper somewhere? Is there something you're trying to teach me that I have been resisting? And embrace that. And it, you, you will 
you will far benefit from doing that in the discipline of it than you would staying in your disobedience or in your unease and your unrest. Um, so I encourage you to do that over the next week. And again, again, this is not a plug, but we, we have a baptism and salvation class here at Rock Point. We just had one this last Sunday. We have three more scheduled for this year. So if that's something that you're interested in, just again, you can ask your leader. Lauren's here. It's Kristen, Chris, you can ask. Um, but we would love to um, make that, that available to you if you're interested. Um, I wanted to close with just one more thing. And, th- and this was not planned or timed. I just, I was thinking about it as I was pulling all of this together. But um, for Christmas this last year, I was trying to think of something. We were trying to do, just do real simple Christmas, our whole families. And so um, I have two nieces on my husband's side and, you know, all the girls, my daughter's 20 now and they're 23 and 25. So, you know, they're getting their own houses, apartments, all that. And so I thought, what would be a special thing for them to have? So I thought, oh, my, the tiny grandmommy's red, cake, red velvet cake recipe. And so, um, I pulled my version (laughs) from my mother-in-law and just had it printed on fabric and made little hot pads for them. And I think I've got a picture up here. You can see it. Um, But I just, I, I, I was, as I was, you know, pulling again stuff together last night, I thought, you know, again, I feel like this is sometimes just God's sovereignty that if you know me, you know, I'm visual and I like to have pictures of things and examples that helps me make it tangible. But I never, I never, I've, I've given this to all the girls in our family now for Christmas I thought just even for me, like it, 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 it didn't, it has sentimental value, obviously, but, but now in the context of this and making sure that all the words are here and that all the words matter, like this is an eternal reminder for me too. So, so now as it hangs in my kitchen, I can look at it and it's not just, I don't just remember, oh, remember when, when Gabe sabotaged me and (laughs) not really, she's going to watch this and she's going to call me, you said, (laughs) um, it's not all that, but I'm grateful, you know, for the reminders and, and just whatever visuals it is that we need to put in, in our, our day-to-day site um, as a reminder of his provision um, and of his great care for us. So, um, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Let me pray. I'll dismiss us. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just, we thank you. What a privilege it is to, to be here. Um, God, that we have access um, so much access to your written true word um, in so many different formats and um, in so many different ways. God, let us never take that for granted. Um, God, I pray that we would be as committed to diving in and studying your word um, as we are to eating and running errands and spending time with friends and, and all of the other things and, and the ways that we spend our time. God, let this be our anchor and let this be what drives us. Um, God, I pray that for each one of us um, over the next days and weeks, um, God, you would just um, slowly, like an onion, just peel back those areas that we are lacking in the way that we um, are, are needing to look more like your son. Um, convict us in those moments where we look too much like the world and not enough like Jesus. Um, God, I thank you for um, just making the study available to us. God, I pray for um, just the words today, God, that they would um, fall on the hearts and in the way that you have intended and desired. Um, I pray for any woman here or maybe listening online or um, a friend of of one of those, um, God, that may be um, in a marriage or um, a relationship where where there is harm um, or discord or disharmony. Um, God, we just pray that you would bring darkness to, to light. Um, and expose it, um, God, that there may be freedom. Um, We love you. We thank you. um, We just worship your holy name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.